Today is a really exciting day for me personally. I think our players will be charged by this. I think the ex-players, the future players, are going to really be excited about this acquisition as well. But uh, welcome aboard, Mike. Really happy to have you here, man. I'm, I can't tell you how happy I am to be here. I'm happy to be a Raider. I, I'm starting to understand what that means. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And, and uh, there's nobody I'd rather go to, go to war with than John Gruden and Mark Davis. Happy New Year, Raider fans. Welcome to the Vegas Nation podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, joined as always with our Review Journal Raiders beat writer, Michael Gelkin. The season is over. The Raiders fell to Kansas City in Kansas City, a devastating loss to end the season on 35-3. Many questions remain for this team as of right now, but the only certainty that Raider fans can hold on to is that the team will get three first-round picks in the 2019 NFL Draft. And to lead them in deciphering this draft board will be our newly appointed general manager for the Raiders, Mike Mayock. Michael Gelkin is our insider on the scene in Oakland. Michael, first of all, Happy New Year. How are you doing? Happy New Year. I don't know when it becomes time to, like, not say Happy New Year, but I have a tendency to, like, tell people Happy New Year way too long than I should. (laughs) <laughs> so it'll be like mid-January, maybe even into late January. And I'll, I'm still telling people happy, happy New Year. But yes, Happy New Year to you, Heidi. I'm glad that you and I actually have the same problem. I do that most of the time. As much as I see somebody, if it's been the first time that I've seen them in the new year, I will greet them with Happy New Year. So <laughs> I think the cutoff yeah, date... Today, I told someone today, happy holidays, but like all the, all the holidays are definitively over. Like that's not even a gray area. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> So for now, we'll just continue on with Happy New Year. Um, For the Raiders, they have a lot to smile about, bringing on a new GM, Mike Mayock. This is a big signing for them, a former NFL network analyst who has come into the team with actually zero front office experience, but he's been quite the guru when it comes to breaking down draft boards. I've seen Pat to the draft. I've watched him on it. He is a meticulous, very analytical person. And so when it comes to the the front office here for the Raiders, this is a big addition in finally cementing somebody in that role. But uh, there's also some news this week, Michael, that in more front office moves, they've let their director of player personnel, personnel Joey Clink sales go. So um, it, what, it, it, I guess, as a second, are they going to sign anybody there, do you think, soon? I think they would have to. But let's just, first of all, break down the signing of Mike Mayock, what it means to the team and who he is and what he brings to the Raiders. Yeah, well, Mike Mayock is somebody who's extremely well-versed as it relates to player evaluation. He's kind of been a general manager on TV when it comes to breaking down the 32 uh, teams and what their needs are and prospective fits. He holds conference calls with reporters that go go regularly go over two hours long. And he's just a... you know, just one of those uh, valuable analysts for reporters and respected around the NFL. I spoke to Jan- Daniel Jeremiah this week, uh, a couple days after the Raiders officially hired Mike Mayock, just about what it's like to work with him and his impressions of him. And um, that's certainly one thing that he highlighted was just um, how prepared he is to make the jump from broadcaster to front office. And you mentioned he has yet to have an NFL front office job before this past Monday anyway. And it's not a unique track in terms of if you look at Matt Millen 
went from NFL player and broadcaster to general manager. John Lynch went from NFL player and broadcaster to general manager. Mike Mayock, who was an NFL player briefly, isn't just making the jump from broadcaster to general manager the way that those two did. His jump is, I would say, more of a hop. Uh, when you consider that, and, and Jeremiah spoke about all of this, but the you know 300 plus prospects that he would evaluate every year, attending pro days and all star games like the Senior Bowl, and, and going to the combine every year, and just uh, speaking to different evaluators around the league as a broadcaster, you know, going to all 32 organizations and just speaking to uh, you know speaking like a, a scout uh, when, when when in each of those buildings. Um, this isn't your typical switch from the broadcast booth to the front office. Mike Mayock has done his homework. He's been entrenched when it comes to personnel. Will he have something of a learning court curve? Of course. It's only natural given that he hasn't ever handled the day-to-day operations that a general manager must. You know, looking at the waiver wire and filling out a practice squad and working more with agents and just all these different aspects that come with or can come with being a general manager. And so um, you know, Mayock naturally will do more when it comes to pro player personnel, but he said that over the past several years he's worked to watch a lot of pro film, um, so maybe that will help. But um, having a strong number two guy, uh, once he identifies one uh, to replace Joey Klingscales, uh, will help Mayock certainly uh, to just navigate his first season as a as a Raiders general manager. And uh, Mayock has a list of guys that he'd want to bring in. Uh, we'll see how soon an addition is made. Typically, you don't see a ton of pers- player personnel department moves until after the draft. But given that the Raiders were ready to move on from Joey Klingscales on Wednesday, that would I would say would be an indicator that there's a chance Mike Mayock may already have his guy in mind. But we'll have to see if a move is made. And of course, all the rules have to go through the process. I saw that somebody had asked, you know, did the Raiders use the Rooney rule in this interview process? And of course, they said that they had. But then uh, if I remember what I read correctly, we had Mark Davis saying he wasn't giving up everybody that they interviewed in case they wanted to bring them on a bit later and keep those names to himself. (laughs) So maybe it's one of those people who, you know, we aren't sure who that person will be yet. But uh, the when the Raiders have to look at this draft board, I think Mike Mayhawk is going to be just a great asset to have. They have three picks again in the 2019 NFL draft. And when you, you say like he's looked at 300 plus names over the course of each year and breaking them down, he's worked as an analyst to to give his own mock draft if you, every year. So if, if you look at what the, is on the board, there's a lot of guys, I don't know who they might go with first, but there's a lot of guys available as defensive ends, aside from Nick Bosa, who I imagine will be gone at the fourth pick. Uh, there's a lot of defensive tackles available. There's offensive linemen. And probably a little bit later down in the first round, you have some wide receivers. So where would you think the Raiders would first start to look? Would it be the edge rush? Will it be um, in the interior? Will it be somebody out on the offense? Uh, as a preface, it's, it's- it's very, very early to get into the Raiders might be taking with the number four overall pick. Um, even if you have your, your draft board, you know there, there, things can come up that can adjust where a player stands on it, uh, be it medical or otherwise. And then there is just 
the nature of how an NFL offseason works, which is the moves you make in free agency can really have a strong influence in terms of the direction that you go come the draft. And free agency doesn't begin until March 13th. And so I would say around the time, maybe March 20th, after the first few waves of free agency have passed, we'll have a probably better sense as to what roster holes are most glaring. Uh, that being all said, um, Mike Mayock understands that this largely is a passing league and the Raiders you know, need to get better at protecting the quarterback and they also need to get better at getting after the quarterback. And I think if you were to choose one of those two in the first round in the top five, you would expect the Raiders to do something uh, that would address their need to get after the quarterback far better than they did in 2000. In 18, the Raiders had one multi-sack game all season. That's the first time that's ever been done in NFL history, um, certainly over a 16-game campaign. And so uh, they, they got to do a lot for agency and draft um, to address this. And so uh, I would, ex- if you were going to lean one way or, or another here in the happy new year of early January, I would say you would look for Mike Mayock, John Gruden, who obviously is highly influential on anything the Raiders do from a personnel standpoint to do something to get after the quarterback and and probably add an edge rusher or even an interior rusher. But I think if they can add an edge rusher, they'll be very happy with that. And a good thing for the Raiders is that they'll be able to look at these prospects themselves. John Gruden will get to take his whole coaching staff along to the Senior Bowl. Michael, you reported on this this week. Uh, How huge is it that the Raiders have this opportunity and just to get this early glimpse at at some of the players? Oh, it's incredibly valuable. It's an opportunity that John Gruden has had three times before where he's coached a team at the Senior Bowl, and he was relishing the the chance to do so again. He was calling the senior bowl executive director, you know, asking, you know, just you know, expressing the interest of hoping to do it, hoping it would come that way. Mike Mayock and John Gruden, you know, before Mayock officially was announced as being hired, the two were talking about it and the value and hoping that it would come to fruition when the Cardinals fired their head coach and the Jets fired their head coach. It became assured that the Raiders would be invited to coach the senior bowl in Mobile, Alabama. The game is in January 6th, but really the week leading up is arguably more important because of the chance to have meetings with different players and run your own drills with your own coaches with these players and just get at your hands on them. So it's not the, you know, the, what the experience at the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis each year, early March, late February, where you and your staff are in a hotel room. And then one evening there's just, a bunch of different player interviews that you invite you guys into your hotel room or one by one for about 15 minutes apiece, you are able to ask them whatever you want to ask them. You're able to show certain plays on their game film from their college tape and kind of go over it. But really in those 15 minutes, it's very scripted. Players are trained on terms of what to say, what not to say. And so the chance to actually sit down and play on, be on the field, and, and it just that the whole everything that the Senior Bowl allows in terms of access to these players really gives Raiders coaches a better sense of just who these men really are as athletes, and at times more importantly, off the field. And so, uh, it, just as important as saying 
oh, I really like this guy after we get the senior bowl, is important to say, yeah, we really don't like that guy. Let's get him off of our board. And so um, just that it cuts both ways, but the access and the ability to find out what these guys' mental makeup is is extremely valuable, and the Raiders are eager to coach at the senior bowl. You look at the 2018 draft class, Johnny Townsend, Marcel Aitman, third-round pick Brandon Parker, all future Raiders who were at – future Raiders draft picks who were at the Senior Bowl, and then a future Raider who they didn't draft, but they signed after he was cut for – after following two-game period – two-game tenure with the Minnesota Vikings was Daniel Carlson. And Carlson went on to have the most accurate season of any kicker in Raiders franchise history. So uh, just a small taste of what the Senior Bowl can bring in terms of impact players. And as we revisit the loss in Kansas City, you bring up Carlson, and he had the one lone score of the entire game there. Uh, It was a a very long field goal. So he's somebody that I think is definitely part of the new foundation of these Raiders as they come under the Gruden era. You look at the bright spots of the game. You have Colton Miller, who prevented what could have been a pick six. He chased uh, downfield, making a huge stop. And then they had the uh, stop there on downs with the Chiefs. They stopped him on fourth down. So that was a huge uh, stop made by Colton Miller. You had Derek Carr, even though he lost his interceptionless streak there in Kansas City, he was stopped at 332 uh, completions before having this interception thrown, but he did notch 1,750 career completions in his fifth year under center. That surpasses Peyton Manning for the most all-time through his first five years. He finished the season with plus 4,000 yards. That's another milestone. I mean, you get the feeling that this team has parts in place it can build around. You Obviously, you bring up the offensive line needing to keep Carr upright. Um, there's obviously the edge rush issue. And I think that the, the, they do have pieces. They have P.J. Hall. They have people that they, they can definitely build around. When you think about the Gruden era and who will stay under this regime, there's definitely going to be moving parts. But who do you think would help to build this foundation as, as you take away from the season and look at some of the players? Well, I think there are some pieces in place. Um, I think you, you probably start at the draft class and, and what the Raiders were able to get there. The key thing is, you look at Colton Miller in the first round, P.J. Hall in the second, Arden Key, Brandon Parker in the third round, Nick Nelson. In the, just kind of go down the list, of Maurice Hurst in the fifth. There are guys, these are all guys who ended the season healthy. I think the Raiders would have been, it would have been understandable if some of the Raiders organization were holding their breath kind of toward you know final half of December, in part because you saw what happened with Eddie Vanderdose. Uh, the team's 2017 third-round pick in the final quarter of the final game on the final day of 2017 when he tore his ACL, ended up missing the entirety of his second NFL season. Um, It just totally threw him off course in terms of making what many in the NFL believe is the biggest developmental jump in a player's career from a rookie year to your second year. You're not training for the combine. You're not worried about a pro day. You're not trying to do a 40-yard dash and worry about your technique there. You're just trying to become a better football player. And you have a full season of, of your rookie experience to build off of in terms of the notes, knowing which part of your game you need to really focus on. Fortunately, the Raiders, in a very cru- 
crucial offseason where guys like Arden Key need to get stronger. Colton Miller needs to get stronger. And kind of go down the list of guys who just need to have, uh, you know, these uh, uh, next few months are, are critical in their development. They're, they're all going to have that time. And so uh, I think you look at some of the, you know, kind of the, the, the glimpses, uh, the, the hopeful flashes of Arden Key getting pressure on the quarterback, not quite able to close the gap. You know, quarterback seemingly each week able to slip out of his grasp or take a step and, you know, he'll, he'll be diving, just missing a, a sack. And his sack numbers weren't what he would want them to be as a rookie, but the fact that he came so close so often is a great indicator that he'll get there with time, with development, with increased strength. And so um, this offseason is huge, and we'll have a better sense ultimately, you know, who these core pieces are based on who can make the jump this offseason. But, uh, you know, I think you look at the rookie class, you look at the offensive line, Kletchio Semele, Gabe Jackson, Colton Miller, Rodney Hudson, and, and we'll see what right tackle. But Brandon Parker, he needs to have a huge offseason. And, um, you know, you, you probably start there. The Raiders believe Derek Carr is, is their franchise quarterback and he needs more help. And so uh, we'll see what running back looks like. We'll see what wide receiver looks like. Jordy Nelson will be back in 2019. And then defensively, there's probably more pieces that aren't here than those that are. But Garon Conley is somebody that the Raiders are very excited about. And then, um, you know, we'll ultimately see what the rest of that secondary looks like. You can expect Daryl Worley to be tendered as a restricted free agent. Do not look for Rashawn Melvin to be back. Uh, that partnership just was not a fit uh, for a number of reasons, mainly technique uh, that they were asking him to do that he wasn't comfortable doing upon trying to do it. Um, so uh, that's kind of a uh, over, overview of, of an answer. Uh, but yes, Daniel Carlson, uh, the kicker, is among those pieces that the Raiders feel confident moving forward with him in the future. That's great for the team as they look to rebuild and you bring up all the different moving pieces and parts and another moving piece of this Raiders puzzle is where are they going to play in 2019? We did touch on this a bit in our last episode. Uh, there's been some speculation though, Michael, uh, you touched on it on Sunday in Vegas Nation on the recap after the game that it's a possibility they could play in London. Uh, there's been some talk about them playing in San Francisco. How close are any of these rumors to coming to fruition? And what's been the buzz about where they may play in 2019? Well, the Raiders are extremely tight-lipped on this topic. And so it's very difficult to know what they're thinking when they are not expressing their thoughts. Um, <laughs> so uh, to be able to handicap it is not something that I'm comfortable doing because I, I we do just as good of a job as anybody off the street because I, I have no in, insight as it relates to this particular matter. Um, but I, I do know that the Raiders ideally, I mean, for a while, ideally they wanted to be back in Oakland next year or this year. Unclear if that will be the case uh, following the antitrust lawsuit that the city of Oakland filed against the NFL and all 32 of its member clubs. So with if we're to cast aside Oakland, even though it hasn't been ruled out by the Raiders officials. It felt like the last game there last month, but there is no guarantee that it was. But let's just say the Raiders are going to go somewhere else. Initially, and maybe this remains true still, Raiders really like the idea of being close to their Alameda, California headquarters. Yeah. I mean, if they could stay in the Bay Area and not have to hop on an airplane every time they're going to step onto a field on, on game day, that would be an ideal scenario for them. But um, you know, it's unclear whether or not they could play in San Francisco. Are the Niners okay with that? We've heard San Francisco politicians come out and not be okay with it. 
uh, you know, it just there's a lot there. It's kind of a messy situation. If, if they're able to pull it off, great for them. But it's unclear whether or not they will. Um, and then you start looking at other places in the Bay Area, and, and you start widening the lens a little bit to San Diego, which personally I have a hard time seeing that. But that's another side that the Raiders haven't ruled out. And so we have to keep that in mind. Uh, it'd be just different if the NFL allowed a third team to enter the Southern California market, particularly when the Chargers are struggling in this extent that they are to build a fan base and the possibility of the Chargers playing a road game in San Diego. I, I just can't see it given that the Chargers were in San Diego for 56 seasons. Um, and in London, it's a pretty good litmus test for the NFL if it was so inclined to, you know, to be talking a lot about the possibility one day of having an NFL team in London to go ahead and have a, a one-year type of arrangement where the Raiders would be playing there. Um, I mean, there'd be a lot of difficulties and, and things that the Raiders would need to figure out. I mean, if you're a free agent and you wanted to visit the Raiders, are, are you just going to hop on a, a plane for a workout? I mean, it doesn't right. make a ton of sense. So how would they, how would they figure that out? And you know, it's, There would be a lot there that you could point to and say that wouldn't be a functional contingency for either the Raiders or the NFL. But we can't rule it out because the Raiders aren't ruling anything out publicly. So uh, we'll see how it all goes. I think we'll have a answer over the coming weeks, ideally before the Super Bowl in, in February in Atlanta. So um, we're just going to have to keep an eye on it and do our best not to just guess without information, which is what I'm trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there. I just thought, you know, what if they play, let's say, I don't know, two games out in England, they stay there for the week or something, and then they go to Mexico. It's a, a something I know, like you said, a litmus test that the Raiders uh, could play this role of testing the fan bases out there because uh, they were supposed to, I think, originally play in Tottenham earlier uh, last year. In, I mean, excuse me, in last season, but it ended up in Wembley. Um because Tottenham wasn't, I think, steady, stadium wasn't fully ready. So when you take that into consideration, maybe they try that out this coming season. I don't know. Like you said, I don't know as much as anybody else off the street either. But I think that uh, definitely London seems interesting. But then, like you said, if somebody gets hurt and they go to the IR and they need to bring in somebody to work out, it's going to take over a day probably to get that player there and then up to speed and then for the game. It, it's a mess for different uh different reasons and various things. So I don't know what the team would do. Um, as You know, just looking ahead, I don't have a crystal ball, but it's something that we'll try to keep on track of. And again, with all of the Raiders coverage, you can always look to reviewjournal.com under our NFL Raiders tab. And all of Michael's work is also there. And of course, in print uh, with the Review Journal, pick up a copy. To check out all of our episodes of Vegas Nation, they're available on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and write a review if you feel like dropping in a line and letting Michael and I know how we're doing. And you can give us a follow on Twitter as well at Gelkin NFL for Michael and I am at Heidi Fang. That'll do it for our show today and we will try to keep this going through the offseason to keep you up to date on the draft and with the Raiders groundbreaking in Henderson for their facility there. So make sure to keep on track with us and that'll do it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.